It's time once again for your favorite show about movies that someone hasn't seen. It's not playing with Lex and Dan, and I'm Dan. And I'm Lex. And you're the one that hasn't seen any movies. <laughs> but the thing is now, Dan, hang on, let me see if I can do this. I have seen all of the following. Oh my God, I don't know if I can do it. I'm going, <laughs> He's going to start making up words halfway through, aren't The you? Phantom Menace. Okay. Oh man, the second one is... Uh, I feel like you've the second already, one is not you've already, of the Sith. You've already struck the out. Second one, the second one is... Um, <laughs> I have no idea. The third one is Revenge of the Sith. Then I saw Rogue One, followed by Star Wars, A New Hope. Then The Empire Strikes Back. Then Return of the Jedi. And now tonight we're going to watch uh the force awakens and then next week we'll watch the five's awakens i'm trying you to make that you actually made that joke i think very early on in this series so what the hell is the second prequel you know call? it's Hang about on, as is about as memorable as the actual plot of that movie uh natalie portman gets older is that what's called, is that what's called? um oh this oh is, the clone wars the clone wars nope the that's, clone wars? that's not nope. actually the name of that movie yeah <laughs> Clones fight droids. <laughs> yes, clones fight droids. That is, in fact, the name of it. Episode two, clones, clones fight droids. The episode two, um, <laughs> clones is in it. You're close. This is great. Attack of the clones. Attack of the clones. Wow, All it's right. still a terrible title. Fifteen years later. <laughs> uh, oh dear. Uh, there but was I, a really. I'm so, I'm proud because I know so much more than I used to, even though I still struggle. I want to tell you a really funny story, which I think you'll appreciate now. Well, maybe you saw this. I don't remember. Um, there's a Vanity Fair, I think, interview with Kathleen Kennedy, who is the head of Lucasfilm now uh, and is a producer on the new movies. And she has been working with George Lucas for many, many years. And so Vanity Fair is interviewing her, and and they there's been a big question as to whether the Episode Eight title, which is The Last Jedi... Now, Jedi is both the singular and the plural, so people are like, oh, right. is it one person? Is it more than one person? And so the Vanity Fair interviewer asked Kathleen Kennedy, who are The Last Jedi? And she replied, why do you think I would tell you that? And the, the interviewer said, I'll tell you why. Because in 1999, I interviewed George Lucas and asked, who is the Phantom Menace? And George said, Darth Sidious. He's the Phantom Menace. <laughs> so, you I know, it was worth that, a shot. And I love it. It's great. It's great. That, that tells you everything you need to know about the history of Star Wars now, over the past, like, 18 years. I actually, I want to tell our listeners something that I poorly expressed to you over text message or iMessage, but I hope I can explain better. I had this thought after we watched it. Because this is the longest gap we've gone between Star Wars movies, you and I. Yes. And I had this thought after we watched Return of the Jedi that you think it's like Return of Luke and his cronies. But I think that maybe Return of the Jedi is supposed to be deeper than that as a title. Mm. And what it really means is Anakin, a.k.a. Darth Vader, to those of you who don't know, um, that Anakin is returning to team jedi after years of being you know evil dark side man and when he unmasks himself when he you know saves his son's life and and does all these nice things that he is the return of the jedi is the return of anakin to 
the good guys to the, the the light side, if you will. That was my that was my deep analysis. That's great. That's like a freshman level paper right there. You could write that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's a valid interpretation. He is returning to being a Jedi after many years away. Can somebody ask George? Because he'll confirm or deny pretty quickly. <laughs> <I think. laughs> yeah, we'll uh, we'll send a. Um, I was going to make some comment about. Commun- I don't even know what I would say. We'll send a bird. I don't. <laughs> no, I think you have to send a staticky holograph. Oh, that's yeah, how it that, works. that's a good call. That's a good call. VR of some sort. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is the last installment, at least for the moment, of season three. We have yet to determine how we're going to handle the last Jedi. Which well, I can promise you, I will watch it. You can't be this committed. And no, no, you definitely watch it. The question is how we're going to are we going to watch it together? And as we discussed, I can in also a previous promise you, episode, unless you come here, I'm not watching it in a theater. <laughs> But I will watch it when it's released on home video. Yeah, and I'm probably going to have seen it in the theater on opening night. So, oh, you for know, sure. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll figure it out. We'll uh, we'll see how we'll see what our listeners think we should do. I just want to give you and the listeners some insight. Like when the Freedmans, and by that I mean Lauren, my wife, and me, when we watch a TV show, we stick with it, right? So we watched ER long after it was terrible <laughs> because we had already committed like six or seven seasons. Mm-hmm. So you just got to keep going yep. with it, and we do that with every TV show we watch. I have recently, only in the past year or two, learned to give up on shows. I'm not going to mention one of the shows because I am sort of friendly with an actor who's in it, but I stopped watching Scandal. Don't tell him. And so <laughs> the, but like there are shows that I give up on uh, now, but for years I never did. But at this point, I'm so pot committed on Star Wars. There's no way I could yeah, the avoid only, watching the, the only Jedi. the only way out is through Lex. So we'll we'll figure out how we're going to handle that uh, going forward. But this is the last installment of the regular season. Uh, I still think we have to watch the holiday special, though, at some point. Someone's going to have to pay me a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) I already did it once for an incomparable episode. I'm not sure I'm ready to to sacrifice two hours of my life again. So, yeah, we'll discuss that. And then at some point, we might have to figure out what we're going to do after there are no more Star Wars movies left for you to watch. I mean, they're going to keep making them every year. So I guess that sort of solves one problem. But we'll have to see if, we, uh, if we're going to return to it for season four. So we're going to go back to form, watch I some other movies. Listeners, if they want to, can recommend other series we could binge together. I know at one point Dan suggested off show <laughs> the Fast and the Furious series. <laughs> Nobody should vote for that one. I mean, I don't think it holds necessarily the same place in the, you know, uh, popular culture. Well, I guess it yeah. is kind of big in popular culture, and they do keep making <laughs> But do the fans of mainstream fare like that listen to podcasts? That's the question. I, I guess we'll find out several months from now when this episode is released. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, all right, so let's get down to brass tacks here, Lex. What do you know? Do you want to know what I know? What do you know about okay. The Force Awakens? I've talked about this with you throughout this show. Uh, what I know about The Force Awakens is that people say, I'm sure, first of all, there's a lot of lens flares. I know it's directed by JJ. Um, I believe that one of our main Jedi is African-American because I think that was noteworthy to some. I believe that women play a, a significant role in this one, uh, more so maybe than some of the previous films. And I have heard anecdotally hmm. that many say that the plot of The Force Awakens mirrors that of A New Hope. Mm-hmm. Which hopefully to me means I'll understand what's happening. <laughs> well, it's funny. Earlier you mentioned that this was the longest we'd gone since watching a Star Wars movie because we managed to watch the first uh, seven or so in pretty short order, which is appropriate because there were many years that elapsed between right. the uh, the Revenge of the Sith coming out in 2005 and this coming out in 2015. Now, to be clear, it's literally been weeks since we watched yeah, that. Yeah, it's not been 10 years. Yeah, not been 10 years, but it's been weeks. So... Yeah, there you you get like a microcosm of what it felt like. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. With you know, with Rogue One kind of messing with the math, a little it does bit, a little bit. It does a little bit. Yeah, so. I'm going to be trying to watch it with the eyes of somebody who's like, I love this series, and finally there's a new one, which makes sense. That it would be nostalgic, right? Of sure, course, yeah, if it's right. the first one in a long time, it should be nostalgic. It should highlight all the things you love. Also, there's nostalgia for you know movies that were like for when they were good. Yeah, since exactly. Like thank you, thank yeah. you for uh, for elucidating exactly what I was going for there. So it's, it wasn't just like 10 years have elapsed since there's been a Star Wars movie. It was like 30 years have elapsed since there's been a Star <laughs> Wars movie. Well, the question is, which is canon, right? Which which is the true Star Wars movie? Is it the crappy ones or the not-so-crappy ones? Uh, technically, they're all canon together, right? Like, it's unfortunate because you can't, yes. like, you can't escape the prequels, basically, is the short answer. <laughs> That could have been the tagline. The prequels. You can't escape them. You know you're going to watch. So it doesn't matter if they suck. There's like a Death Star bearing down upon you. And that Death Star is the prequels. <laughs> and if you don't like them, they explode your planet. That's a reference I can understand, by the way. Yeah, I like I like having being, seen this so many is great. Star Wars I just start sending Lex all my Star Wars jokes now. Whenever I see something funny related to Star Wars, I send it to Lex because I'm like, oh, you get this. I don't know if he finds them funny. It doesn't matter. I'm going to keep sending them. <laughs> I find them all hilarious. Excellent. No, I, I mean... I can't say that overall I make more Star Wars references than I did prior because I knew enough of the main points to fit in. Mm. But I was, I mean, I genuinely mean it. I am proud and delighted that I actually know all the beats of the story. Even if I can't remember all the movie titles once, I am proud that I, uh, I, I really do know the, the key, like all of the, the main plot points. That's because I never did. You've made it. This is great. All right. Yeah. Well, this is The Force Awakens. It's J.J. Abrams. Was this before or after he did the Star Trek? This is after he did Star Trek. And in fact, he, I, I think he sort of, you know, he was kind of a surprise addition in some ways. Because a lot of people had pushed for him because he is, I, I think he ended up directing Star Trek in part because he really was a big Star Wars fan. But they at that point, they were not making Star Wars movie. It didn't look like there would be any Star Wars movies. In- but we, we can acknowledge it's amazing that the same guy directed both of those, <laughs> right? Like, it's, it's isn't it? Like, isn't it's, it's, it crazy? It's cool. I mean, like, he, you watch, a lot of people who were big Star Trek fans were sometimes a bit critical of his Star Trek movie because they felt like it was a bit more Star Wars-y in that it was... You know, it had more of like a hero's journey, and there are and I've shots. Seen it. Yeah, I saw the first. I know of you the did. Star Wars yeah. that he did, or Star Trek. Yeah, you already. We're gonna let it go. But like people have, there people have done like shot by shot comparisons, and there are clearly homages in the Star Trek reboot to to Star Wars, and like in plenty of other stuff that JJ has worked on. Like he's he's definitely right. a huge Star Wars fan, and I think a much bigger Star Wars fan than he was a Star Trek fan. So yeah, I think that was. Uh, Is John Cho in this one too, though? There, that would be yeah. I don't want to give you any spoilers. Oh man, because if he is, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I, do you know where I know John Cho from originally? You must, right? Per- personally, did you like go to school with him or something? No, no, no. American Pie. He was the MILF guy. Mm. He chanted MILF in the big parties. Anyway, uh, John Cho was also on a terrible sitcom that I can't believe was ever made. I can't even tell you what it was called but it also starred the guy who played finch on american pie and it was like the worst sitcom ever and i loved it it was terrible and they eventually acknowledged how they were clearly going to get canceled they would look at the camera and beg people to watch and <laughs> tell their friends anyway i love john Cho, so i'm hopeful he's in this and i truly have absolutely no idea well i am super happy to hear that we're going in fresh and uh i don't even know if the original cat like i, I let's, guess let's sit harrison down, ford let's sit down oh, no, wait wait uh, i know one more thing harrison ford dies i know that oh wax <laughs> So disappointed. I just feel like I have to tell it's you ahead so of time that I know. Disappointed with you right now. I know that he dies. Okay. 
Should we watch this movie? What do you May think? he rest in peace. Let's do it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to complete everything that's out there. I'm yeah, excited. The circle is now complete, Lex. <laughs> All right, I'll save that for after yeah. the after. Dan, I have one more thing to tell you. Yeah. I am your father. <laughs> that is mathematically impossible. <laughs> <laughs> also true. <laughs> All right. Well, let's watch. We're going to settle in for The Force Awakens, and we'll be back in a moment to discuss Lex's thoughts on the movie and the entire Star Wars saga. Small, small oh, change. That's there. a lot of pressure. Hey, Lex. Hi, Dan. Uh, you know, people have been missing out perhaps all season on listening to these commentaries with us. <laughs> I did know people have been missing out perhaps. They shouldn't subject themselves to the missing outageness. We can help them. How can we help them, Lex? Dan, anybody can listen along as you and I watch the movies together. All they have to do is become members of The Incomparable, and then they get commentary tracks that they can sync up with the movie itself to watch along with us, with me as I watch them for the first time. I do not hold with this newfangled technology. It's the devil's work. It's easier than it sounds. All they have to do is you sign up for The Incomparable at something like theincomparable.com slash... Members members and then once they get access to those tracks they can pretty much i think they pick their own price even you just you just press play on the two things at the same time you can do what i believe in you dear listener if you know jason snell at all you are nerdy enough to handle this i promise you <laughs> well yeah that's great so sign up become a member if you're already a member you know give us some money because we put on this whole season for you i watched all of these things for you people yeah. come on now lex lex is uh throw lex a bone here Well, Lex, you've seen The Force Awakens, and now I'm going to point out to you that Mark Hamill has one of, must have the best agent in the world, because as you watch the credits of this, you will see that he is credited second, <laughs> and he's in the movie for 30 seconds and has no lines. <laughs> Danny, we're home. <laughs> I think that's amazing, and I want his agent if I ever go to Hollywood. <laughs> That is impressive. Uh, there's also a number of really good jokes and memes about that last scene. My favorite of which is the scene, it's like you know Ray holding out the lightsaber, Luke looking at her, and then it's like a beat, and it's like there was a hand with that. Did you bring me the hand? <laughs> <laughs> so Lex, you're up to date. There we go. Harrison Ford credited first. Mark Hamill credited second. Good for That's them. Unbelievable. That's unbelievable. They all had small parts. Dan, I will tell you what. Yeah. I think it was my favorite one. Really? It really was. Okay. All right. Why? Here's why. All right. Yeah. Lay it out for me. First of all, I took more notes during this one than any other. That's a sign of a a good film. (laughs) Well, no, because I take notes of things I want to tell you about when we're done. Okay. That I wanted to comment on. Lex, can can I make one quick preamble here? Please. This is unusual. I cannot answer all of your questions because I don't know the answers to all of the questions. That's okay. That's okay. But that's, you got to understand, that's weird for me. <laughs> I understand. I do understand. Believe me. So the reason I like this one is actually it has a, a quality similar to what I liked about Rogue One, which is that it feels like these newer movies are more willing to embrace the funny. Mm. And I appreciate that. Like, it feels like some of them take themselves too seriously. Now, this movie, I think, takes itself seriously. It's not, it's not making, it's not a parody of itself or anything else, but it's not like there's comic relief. It's like, I would say it counts in my mind as 
sci-fi and fantasy and comedy all at once. Like it's not a laugh riot, but there were lots and lots of funny things that I really enjoyed. I, yeah. I like that about it. It is a funny adventure movie, right? Like it's yeah. an, and and I think I definitely came out of this and I remember one of my first impressions being like I didn't know like Star Wars I've always found elements of it funny, especially the dialogue but like you're you're totally right i think this is hands down the funniest like star wars movie and so i also thought that it was harrison ford's best performance in all these movies yeah he does a really nice job of you know i think he knew going in this would be his only one and that you know he wanted to just you know give this character a a fitting farewell and he really there's been a lot of talk over the years about him not liking star wars or being like really cranky about it and i think what comes through here is that he does have genuine love for this character there's a scene when he first gets on the falcon and he goes into the uh the cockpit and there's like a pause and he's just standing there for a second and he kind of has this stupid grin on his face and it's like to me that is the epitome of Harrison Ford embracing Han Solo. That is the moment that sticks out to me. I will say, and this is probably sacrilege to many, but while I get what they were going for in all of his previous movies here in the series, I felt that his character was a little more one-dimensional than I wanted it to be. Like, like it felt a little too surface for me. And here, he felt more like you're saying. He it felt like he was more deeply inhabiting the role and and working actively working to make the character less one note. And I don't know if that's it's probably equal parts script and direction sure. and performance. And but it felt it just felt like much more well rounded. Like you could see that there was subtext, which I felt was lacking in much of his prior performance yeah i mean i can see that i i think you know it's hard to judge in some ways because who the hell are all these people what are we looking at right now the credits uh these are all the people who wrote each individual letter no um (laughs) probably visual effects special i i was gonna say i i feel like what is it's hard to separate for me right because without the first three movies there isn't much for him to build on i mean like yes i agree with you that this is a very well fleshed out performance there are a lot of different dimensions that he gets to play which was not always an opportunity in the earlier movies but in in a lot of ways you know again this character is built on the the foundation of that character so it's hard for me to judge it without the others but i agree that there is a little more there's more opportunity here like we we see a little bit of that opening up throughout the original trilogy as like especially with the love story with him and leia like it does give him a different angle of that character to play who's not just the cynical smuggler but yes adding the sort of fatherhood on top of it and estrangement like it's definitely more complex and i will say to that because it's not where i was going to go yet but i appreciate that um who wrote the movie i assume not jj uh, there's a variety of people credited on Lawrence Kasdan, who worked also on writing Empire Strikes Back, your your least favorite of the original trilogy, <laughs> is credited with a story credit. Um, there are a bunch of different drafts, and so it's hard to track down exactly okay. who you know. But I would say what I was going to say though is that I appreciate that with all the writers who contributed, while obviously they have tremendous respect and love for what came before them, they didn't. Nothing was too sacred for them. Like you could say. You know, I wanted things to work out happily ever after for some of the heroes from the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. And they put like, not just, uh, I mean, I don't know exactly what went wrong with Luke, although I'm guessing that he tried to train Kylo Ren and that didn't end up as well as he had hoped. But uh, like, you don't have to have um, Leia and Han on the outs, but they were willing to, you know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. I felt like that was 
I, I appreciated that they were willing to take those steps. Let's talk. Let's talk a little about Kylo Ren, yeah. or Kylo Ben, as I like to call him. <laughs> so he hates that. Adam, don't call him that. Adam Driver is a, a fine actor in general. I don't know if you ever watched Girls. That doesn't seem like your kind of show. I, I have not watched it. I have watched the entire run of Girls, which I don't love, but I appreciated the artistry behind it. Let's say, and he is weird on that show. And I was like, man, that is a weird character that guy's playing. And then I saw some interviews with him. Like, no, that's a weird dude playing a weird guy. <laughs> and I believe he brings his general weirdness. And I'm sure he's a perfectly fine person, but Kylo Ren is weird. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I think the performance is weird. Now, I think probably in some ways the performance is less weird to me than it is to you because he's basically playing it exactly like he plays Adam on Girls <laughs> when he's got the mask off. Like, it's just, he's super weird in how he talks and stuff. And there are other actors who do the same kind of thing. I mean, not the same, but there are other actors who talk weirdly in real life and talk weirdly in movies. Like, Jeff Goldblum <laughs> is a great, easy example. Uh, has a cadence all his own. And so does Adam Driver. I really didn't like Kylo Ren's evil voice. And. You know, it's interesting when you pointed that out to me, because that definitely came up in some of the conversations I've had about it. And I think, for me, the short answer is, it's completely intentional, right? Like, because the whole premise of this character is he's kind of a wannabe, right? He's a, he's an emo teenage wannabe bad guy. And he just, the whole thing about him is he wants to live up to Darth Vader and he, he, he's not Darth Vader, right? So like he's, he's failing at that. He throws temper tantrums. He's not in control of himself. Like he whines. That's really astute, Dan. I like this because I I was going to say, as I was thinking about it, I was surprised that they kill him. I mean, that they, they let him die because, you know, Vader lives through so many movies, but you're right. It's because he's not that good a bad guy. Right, he's not. He's he's faking it or playing at it, so they they don't want him to remain their big bad for episode or for episode. After I wouldn't. Episode. I I mean, he. I would guess he is not dead. I would guess oh, that yeah? he survives, and I think the. But I because there's just too much tied up with that character and his. Do you know that he's in the next movie? I don't. I have not seen. Well, actually, I might have. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think I think it likely that he's being set up just if only because his relationship with Leia and the rest of the skywalker family i think he's still a big part of that but it's still it's okay i mean i think they wanted to not just make a entire carbon copy of darth vader right like they wanted to have somebody who is distinct and his distinctness is comes from the fact like his journey is the inverse of what we see with vader right because we have him right here in the first movie essentially everyone's like oh they're still good in him like we've done this before with darth vader like we know we can we can reach him and it totally backfires right like the whole problem is he is fighting against the light side trying to redeem him and yeah and so he he is basically in in the role of you know the the inverse role of vader because he's trying to live up to this ideal and i think that even the voice is part of that right it's like him trying to emulate darth vader but he does kind of a crappy job of it right well it's it's you know, while we were watching, I don't know if you've either read the book or seen the movie, both of which are very difficult to get through. But the, the, we need to talk about Kevin, which is, are you familiar with that at all? I'm, I've heard of it, but I've never seen it or read it. The, basically, the conceit is, you know, a mother who is suspicious that her son is, has serious problems and could be a school shooter kind mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. person. And, like, it doesn't have a happy ending. And that's, I kept thinking about that while i was watching with with kylo because it's he, he seemed like like a really bad kid we, where the we parents need, tried their best to and talk about really kylo. messed up <laughs> yes we need to talk about kylo but so uh, your kind of thought process about it helps me and i noticed i'm pretty sure i noticed uh, 
I had a note here about the music because I I, I wanted more nostalgia yes, for the music. I, I wanted agree. more iconic music. But uh, and I was thinking it, it bothered me that they never, as far as I could tell, played the full like robust Imperial March, and that supports that lends credence to mm, your theory mm-hmm. that he's not evil enough to merit it. He like, has he's his not own Darth Vader. Yeah, enough. he has his own theme. But again, yes, it is not as it is not as distinctive or iconic as the Imperial March theme. And that yeah, I think that died with with Vader. Right, Vader got to redeem himself so that is that is done that is moved on from um and so i think yeah i agree your feeling on the score i was a little disappointed the first few times i listened to it it's grown on me in subsequent listenings because there is some very good stuff here but it's also a movie that does not rely as heavily on the music as some of the earlier movies do where like i noted to you in empire there's like 40 minutes of dialogue in a two two plus hour movie right this is a lot more dialogue heavy a lot less um action heavy and so there's not as much room it's not the same thing where like with the earlier movies where there was sort of a tapestry of music always behind everything um here i think the dialogue richness works for me especially because it was like uh, like i mean i have no idea what lucas has said about any of these newer ones but I would if 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 life were good and just he would watch these and go like oh that's how you write dialogue (laughs) um because it was like it wasn't just dialogue rich the way some of the the uh prequels were it was like interesting dialogue yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was you know that propelled the story forward and that showed and didn't tell uh, and, and that's what like it was i just i i appreciated all that um so my next thing that i really well for i also wanted to just mention um i just saw the actor's name so then i remembered but now i forgot again but finn is is also i think really good oh yeah he does john, really john good boyega job. who is fantastic and just and i think that as, john boyega oh go ahead i was gonna say from all indications of everything i've seen as genuine a guy as you will ever see like he was just incredibly excited to be in star wars and he he kind of seems a lot like finn in that he is just like he's just like a big sappy like like friendly like guy from everything that i have seen of him he seems like a delightful person at least for me and i don't know if this is what they're actually going for but for me it felt like we're sometimes we're experiencing things through his eyes Mm mm-hmm um or through his perspective right because it's like uh, stuff is surprising to him or interesting to him or and as he's making like i don't know it, it felt like i don't think he's the hero of the movie specifically obviously you're supposed to root for him but he was the one who like i felt like i was most connected to as the story was being told yeah i mean i think you start off with him very early and he is sort of our our guide into a lot of this universe but uh, you know i think what's interesting about this is that we have ended up with you know, in the same way, we've ended up with an ensemble again. And I think that's the big part of where this movie really succeeds is that it manages to not only evoke the earlier movies, but create some new dynamic that that is in and of itself something that people really respond to. Because the Finn and Ray, and to a lesser extent Poe in this movie, you know... There is a very real like camaraderie and friendship there, and those characters are interesting enough that they can hold their own in a movie standing up next to Han Solo. And so I think that's that is to me the big success of this movie. I, I have my nitpicks about this movie, but I, yeah. I cannot argue with the characters. I just find them fantastic and so so much fun. I have so many more things to talk to you about. So no, please, please continue. Um, first, I thought that they were. In general, my feeling, and I'm not an expert, I'm not a film critic or anything else, in general, I prefer direction that you don't notice so much. There are many things that you can praise and 
insult about like M. Night Shyamalan. I do like in M. Night Shyamalan movies how he clearly takes time to craft certain mm-hmm. shots, but it also calls out to the fact, look, a director crafted this shot. Sure. So like I like it and dislike it at the same time. Here I thought there were a couple shots that seemed really like I don't know, aggressively impressive in mm. ways that it, but it didn't feel like it pulled me out. Like I liked it. So I, I was I, I was impressed by the fact that I was impressed by it. I guess. <laughs> and there were more than once, maybe two, three or, or, or so times, they did that effect where it's like a really quick zoom in mm. all from one camera where it's like, you know, first like the camera's really moving all around to show a wide thing. And then like you see something in the background and it closes up on it quickly. And it's yeah. just, it made it the whole thing feel much more alive, especially even knowing that there's so much CGI going on and all these things are happening. And most of it is happening like later and not really there, but like it's, re- it did, it gave the movie a sense of place. Yes, and, like, I agree. This is all really there. It's and very, I, I, very, I thought that was really good. Very dynamic. And, uh, and some of it is stuff that's uh, quote unquote obvious. Like, there's a lot of pans and stuff like that that they're like a lot of big camera movement but i think even there are little things like there's one shot that sticks in my mind um is that um there's a scene uh, when they're flying in the falcon on jakku and uh ray and finn and finn's in the gun turret and ray tells him to get ready and he says okay and then you he turns into profile and says for what but the focus is outside and then the, they pull the focus back to to focus in on him and it's a little thing it's very subtle but yep. like it totally it works it directs it your attention like there. yeah yep. exactly it is it's very i agree i think that the the look and feel of this movie and that's the other thing that that makes this so successful is that it does really weaponize that nostalgia and it's not just the big things right like the millennium falcon there it's the fidelity with which so many things are recreated and not even just like slavishly recreated slavishly i don't know how you say that word uh both yeah Hugo slavishly it's not hugo boss no it's uh (laughs) there are things that are evocative of the world without being like carbon copies of it right like there's there are lots of little consoles and stuff i noticed that in like kylo ren that scene where he's in in um interrogating ray like there are consoles in the background which look like they could have been pulled from like the 1977 with the blinking lights and stuff like they've they're using modern technology but all of it is in the service of reproducing you you mentioned the sounds a bunch of times and asked me if they like recreated those or pulled it but like they the fidelity with which they you know applied these things is is just it's super impressive and it shows how much care and respect they have for it so as incomparable members who listened to the commentary track know, I asked you, like you said, a couple times, not just about stuff that like, hey, clearly they copied and pasted this from the original, but also I wanted to know what your reaction was as a lifelong <laughs> fan of these movies. Like when, and I was just like, was it emotional for you when, you know, uh, Chewie and Han are back in the Millennium Falcon? And you're like, it was, and I'm teary eyed right now. <laughs> and like, I like that. And I don't think they hammed it up because there no. you could fall to the into the temptation of uh, playing it up even more but they they were understated about it and straightforward about it and they were uh, frankly awesome about it and so i think that's again a mixture of writing performance and direction where uh, you know they walk in and he says we're home and if you are the right kind of star wars fan that's going to really hit oh, you that's, <laughs> so that was the scene at the end of the first like real trailer like that yeah. had like dialogue in it and I was in the star. I was at Star Wars Celebration in Anaheim when they showed that, like, to two thousand people in an auditorium, and I don't think there was a dry eye in the house at that at that scene because it's the stinger, like, right after the end, and it's the first time that you see Han or any of the original series characters in any yeah. of the like trailers, and everyone was just like. <gasps> 
like <laughs> freaking now, out. I have to make a terrible analogy for a moment and uh, forgive me in advance, but you know, I watched as I know you did, um, the uh, Gilmore Girls <laughs> a Year in the Life or whatever the hell they called it on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And uh, n- neither that nor this was the first time a cast reunited many years later to make something. And when I was watching the new Gilmore Girls, and I really love the original Gilmore Girls, and before I uh, was willing to watch it, I watched the entire original series <laughs> all over again. And I tried to time it so I could watch the new ones when they came out, and I totally screwed that up, so I had to wait like a month and a half. But what I was shocked by was, you know, obviously everybody got older. right? And I, would, I was even thinking, man, the actress who plays Roy, Alexis Bledel, is as old as Lauren Graham was when the show right. started. Yeah, That's right. insane. And uh, I felt that much more so here, oh, especially sure. having watched them all so rapidly and not having had the time yeah. pass. There's a, um, there's a hysterical. So when I was at Star Wars Celebration uh, a few months before we recorded this, um, I saw Mark Hamill do a panel and he tells story. He told a story about like, you know, how people come up to him in the grocery store, like parents will come up with their kids, like little kids, and they'll be like, <laughs> look, look, it's Luke Skywalker. And he's like, the kids look at me like, what happened to you? Because <laughs> like they've just seen the original movies and they're like, don't have the concept of people getting that much older or when those were made or anything. I think that's hilarious. Honestly, it's, I think it can even affect grownups, right? Because, you know, sure. I, I, when I think about, friends or the west wing two shows that i watched every episode of more than once and they're like listen bradley whitford bradley doesn't whitford look bad with, for his age right but with white hair every time yeah. it gets me like <laughs> in my mind he's the bradley whitford from the west wing and i guess from studio 60 and he is totally not that bradley whitford anymore he didn't do anything wrong but anyway my point is they got really old they did and yeah. like there's there's an emotional aspect to that and nothing they can do anything about right and it's, it's, it's just sort good. of they just sort of embrace it i think which yeah, is nice i mean i agree i think that's a smart move because like you said there's nothing else you can do and it, it right. is the time that's elapsed in that world too so yes. you know stuff has happened these guys have been through a lot we don't know the entirety of what they've been through um i like in the brief appearance that we get of luke obviously like he's got a real obi-wan vibe going on yes you know i like i think that was a smart move um yeah i i i I think they they sort of just went full throttle with that and decided like we're just going to acknowledge the time has passed and we're yes. going to roll with it and embrace it yeah so other things that i liked that i want to quickly praise is i i liked um I, bb8 is great mm-hmm. and i emotes very well much as r2d2 does um C-3PO, I have complained to you about, and he was used as sparingly as I think Jar Jar was used in the latter prequels, <laughs> and that really worked for me. Yep. Like, a tiny little helping of C-3PO that, is perfect. That one scene that. is very funny, where he comes in, pops in, and he's like, you probably didn't recognize me, because I have a red yes. arm. Like, that was perfect. <laughs> he's in the way of this incredible reunion. <laughs> yes. Like, that's, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, as well. Well played. Um, the, um, okay, we're we talking about this. Okay, so so uh, oh and my uh, one of my favorite lines that i wrote down was escape now hug later that felt like quintessential han solo <laughs> my, to me. my favorite line han solo line from this entire movie is that's not how the force works <laughs> yes that is a good line so i have a i have a small list of complaints no, so that's be clear, fine. i, I have, genuinely I, like this movie. that's fine i have yeah, i love this movie too and i have nitpicks about it i'm guessing mine are some of mine are probably a little different for yours because some of mine are very much about like things that I think J.J. Abrams sort of plays fast and loose with. But right, um, yeah, well, here let's are my hear complaints yeah. in no particular order. 
and it, my least offensive one first, but the others are not in order. It, it felt like um, lightsabers behave differently in this movie, and that there was almost a force field, no force pun intended, uh, or something around. Like they seemed more <sighs> staticky here, and I don't know if it was trying to make them look older school so it fit it's something well, about them Ky- felt weirder to kylo me. ren's in particular is designed to be kind of again kind of weird and like right. it's got the like those things on the side it looks right. very jagged like it's kind of supposed to look kind of dangerous and kind of amateurish i think at the same time okay but like the other ones it didn't really work for me okay that's fair i mean the other ones I don't think I noticed that as much, or at least in terms of the only other one I guess we see is Luke's, which seems right. pretty... So you might be right. It yeah. might just be that seeing it against the other one is, is where I got it. So, okay. The things I didn't like, okay. in no particular order, were um, I wanted a better reunion between Princess Leia slash General Leia and Han Solo. Okay. Like, I got that they were angry at each other, but I wanted more... Like, I totally had no problem at all, as you said, brilliant to have C-3PO interrupt it, but I want something more than just them talking from a distance. Like, bridge that gap right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That bothered me. Fair. Um, you had to explain to me, and you complained about to me during the movie, the Republic yeah, versus the Resistance. Th- like, when the Republic s- blows up, I don't know who to empathize that with. Like, s- I, it didn't bother me. <laughs> yeah, that whole scene... I think that whole setup is kind of overly convoluted. I, I think the what you're supposed to have taken away and really there was no way to know because all we get is that opening crawl is that like so after the downfall of the empire there's the republic you know comes back and you know reasserts its place but there's like the remains of the empire have sort of solidified and created the first order and so the republic can't like openly fight them so they fund like the resistance to fight them but it, it, it's needlessly complex right and that's very it, lucas-ish <laughs> yeah I, I i don't think i think essentially that was done so that we get a basically a reset at the end of this that now the resistance is a tiny group of freedom fighters fighting against a much bigger fair yeah. bad guy right like i think they wanted to get back into that mindset but this was not the most and i get that these are the stories they're telling but like Life in the resistance is totally miserable most of the time. <laughs> like you're just constantly fighting these people every movie. Yep. Uh, so that it feels dra- like I thought it went well here, but like if this is the story every time, that's that's a lot. Well, yeah, yeah, and um, and I mean, you did mention, and I don't know if this is in your notes, but you did mention going in that you knew that it, this is the plot is highly evocative of A New Hope. And I, yes. and that is clearly intentional. Like I think yes. I think there is a there's a larger message here of sort of like things keep happening in certain patterns and right. we're going to also like on a meta level like we're starting a new trilogy and so we we're playing paying an homage to the original right. but like I, I think that's deliberate a long long time ago was a flat circle yeah i think i think that is <laughs> i i got what you're saying uh i think that was all it's it doesn't bother me that much because i think it's done intentionally and i think it's done mostly pretty well but yeah i can see that you know for certain things you had to they had to bend over a little bit backwards to make stuff fit yeah i i get what they're going for with having luke have had this journey of his where he's in it felt odd to me to not have luke in the whole movie yeah i i get the big reveal although um, especially in the order i watched them because this came out before rogue one yes or no yes it came Which, out before rogue one so like rogue one ending with princess leia made me realize oh this one's gonna end with luke yeah. i mean it took me until well, like, there were only 15 minutes left before i figured that out <laughs> but 
there is there are a couple weird reveals here i think the reason they held luke in reserve to a certain extent is also you know this really gives han a lot of time like and i was right. shocked going, a hero send off yeah and i and i was shocked going into you know watching this movie the first time how much harrison ford there is in it i kind of figured he would be a very sparing part of it kind of like right. more like leia's size the size of leia's part right and but he he's, is, he's like a main character he is everywhere in this movie right like and he is the main one of the main characters of this movie so i feel like they probably held luke back a little bit knowing also they're not going to have han solo to lean on in the next movie so we're going to have yeah. him have a lot bigger role presumably i would have to be bigger <laughs> yeah i just i i felt luke's yeah. absence yeah. and uh, I have to assume that he's going to die in the next one, but what do I know? Um, but then, okay, my my two biggest complaints. Okay. I guess I did go in some sort of order. One is I did not love the scene where Ray touches Luke's lightsaber. Okay. Like that thing went... I, I mean, I got that I was supposed to learn that it seemingly... I guess Kylo Ren is what took the rest of her family away. It seemed like maybe they're hinting at you hear Yoda so, for a second. Yeah. You see some f- force So there's a and, lot and going on in there. And I kind of feel like that scene was designed for the people watching at home to the like go frame by YouTube frame viewers, because yeah. there are several things. Oh, I'm just going to throw this out here because there, I, I've watched it a couple times now. I haven't gone frame by frame in it, but I have like read a bunch of stuff about it. And so from what I can tell, so there's several things happening there. The first place she ends up is cloud city from empire it's the same corridors it's like darth vader and luke fighting which makes sense because that's where the lightsaber got lost that was its last sort of appearance right there's a bit where you see somebody presumably luke because it's the robot hand on r2 i think that's foreshadowing something that might happen in the next movie which is taught or or something that already happened um that they might flash back to in the next movie which i think has to do with the following scene as well where you see the um, in the rain, you see Kylo Ren and a bunch of other guys, which are the Knights of Ren, is the theory. Um, and sort of like, you know, his fall essentially and him taking on Luke. And then there's a little bit at the end with, say, flash forward to, I think, the fight at the end of this movie because there's the forest. You do get, right. you do get Yoda, as you mentioned, in the background. Obi Wan is also heard briefly. Yes. Um, yes, I caught that. Yeah, he says Ray and it's Alec Guinness's voice, but they just basically p- peeled it out of a. You know, him, I believe he says "afraid" in one of the movies, and they peeled out Ray, which is some impressive work. Uh, and yeah, you and McGregor may also be in there briefly, which is also weird. So, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going so I, on I, there. I didn't love it. That's fine. I, I, I get what's deep the mythology stuff. Is, but yeah, yeah. And then the thing that bugged me the most, and maybe they're going to dive into it more in the next one, or maybe I, I've got a bet because I feel like it's probably one of the things that a lot of people are dissatisfied about. The supreme leader situation. Yeah, there's nobody knows. See, this is the thing. Nobody knows what the hell is going on with that. Like, and I agree that the name is dumb, as you commented. Snoke is a dumb name. Yep. If that's what it is. It's a, and that's a, that's a Lucas name. Yes. Yes. And it's like, it's when every time you hear it, it's like, it's, it's jarring how dumb a fake name it is. Like, I get they're all fake names. Yes, it's fine. Some land about, better but, than others. Yeah. Snoke is not working for Every me. time she says Snoke, I expect to say, like, Snoke snookered you. <laughs> every yes, time it's, every it's time. so ripe for punning and yeah uh, but like i didn't get snoke at all yeah. supreme leader felt like a goofy name uh, it's not my understanding of how the empire works um I, as i was as we were watching i was compl- complaining to you or expressing confusion to you that 
uh, and I guess this also speaks to your description of Kylo as not Vader. There's there's the scene where I I don't know this character's name I never got it but where Kylo is fighting with the other guy who often went with him to hang out with Snoke. His name is General Hux. Oh right, Hux. Yeah, okay. And uh, like Hux is given Kylo like some serious lip. And if it had been somebody doing that to Vader, Vader would just well, like kill them. Uh, yes and no. I mean, keep in mind. I think the closest analogy to a relationship is Governor Tarkin from the first from Star Wars, sure. who is like the. I, I kind of see Hux and Kylo Ren here as sort of two brothers competing for dad's attention. Right. I can see that. It's like a prime minister and a president or something. Yeah. <laughs> but, sure. Why not? But um, I don't know. I, I didn't like that dynamic and I definitely didn't like Snoke. I don't understand it. The, you know, I was saying to you as we watched that Snoke obviously looks enormous and then you realize that he is a hologram of some sort but still seemingly is that enormous i guess i don't know why he'd project it larger than he is well, th- um, people have theorized that maybe he's very small and so right. it's like a weird inferiority complex thing um yeah it felt a little wizard of ozian i also like, don't like the look of that character particularly but again it's a hologram so i guess in some ways he could look like anything but then why would you look like that i don't know i agree right. with you that that character I, is I, kind I, of weird i got nervous there was going to be a big reveal about that character like it's secretly been Luke. Yeah, all this right. Time. Exactly. And I didn't want that Snoke, to happen. And it's seemingly Luke coincidence. Yes. And right, you mix Luke and Skywalker, and you put no in there, and you get Snoke. But so the he's Snow Luke. <laughs> oh, nice. <gasps> oh, there's something. Like <laughs> near the end, he's like, uh, "Leave this and come see me in person." Right. Yeah. And so you have to assume that he's going to show up in the yep. last Jedi. And I will say, when people are asking about who the last Jedi is going to be, they refer to seemingly refer to Luke that way. They do, yeah. Explicitly refer to Luke that way multiple times, including in the opening crawl. So I don't know that there is a mystery. I think the big question is: Is it Luke and Ray essentially? Right. I think that is the open question. I don't think there's necessarily like a bevy of other Jedi hidden away anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Well, they've got to train some more. And the que- I guess one question is whether uh, Finn can be one. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, uh, so my major complaint to your point is the Supreme Leader because I just wasn't having it. Mm-hmm. But I really enjoyed it. Like I had fun watching it. Again, I will say it felt long. <laughs> there was a time when there was about... 35 or 40 minutes left and i checked to see how long was left in the movie and when i love a movie truly i don't do that mm. but it's just it started to feel just long now some of this might be that just because of our schedules we watch these at night and i usually like go to sleep at 11 and we're talking at 11 30 right now but it just it, it did at one point start to feel long it wasn't like it was dragging or anything it was like we could be done now right, <laughs> right. that would be okay but i did i genuinely enjoyed it some of these i, I mean i think many people suffer through the prequels some of even the like i guess i would say like <laughs> sorry uh the empire strikes back and we were like yeah i'd be fine if i didn't see it every time uh, you mention that i'm looking at the empire strikes back poster that is hanging right I behind know. my microphone I'm and i'm i'm dying a little bit inside but like i i i had fun watching this like i genuinely wa- i enjoyed, enjoyed it, it and i could imagine watching it again one day and you can you imagine going to see the last jedi in the theater oh big uh I see almost nothing. Yeah, well, that's, like, I mean, that, that is truly a, almost nothing. Let me ask you, I'm going to ask you, since we're at the, in the, the sort of our last episode here, are any yes. of your kids interested in Star Wars or Star Wars fans? Uh, none of them are Star Wars fans. Are any of them interested? Not really. My okay. oldest is the closest. She's 10. Um, 
and she at least wants to know the key story points. Mm. Uh, my middle child, who is eight, she hates most movies. Like she does not like movies. <laughs> oh yeah, I, yep, yep. I I have a movie. Uh, my cousin's uh, daughter, who is now ten, when we when we started watching Star Wars, I was showing Star Wars to her. She was not not having it. <laughs> yeah, oh, Sierra would nope right out of there. Exactly. Like there's no way. Uh, my youngest Liam. Um, I mean, he. I hate to make it a gender thing, but it, it often is. And I think that boys talk about Star Wars more than girls do, at least at his age. Um, so he is aware of it, but he ex- has expressed no interest. And he likes to watch movies sometimes, but he just, if he said, hey, I want to watch it, I would absolutely watch every single one with him. Except for the prequels. Um, but, Don't show him the prequels. <laughs> right. But he, he hasn't expressed any that's interest. Right. Anya's like, Anya loves movies. Mm-hmm. And if she ever said, that's the oldest, if she ever said, I want to watch them again, I would do it. But I think that she feels like more like, hey, just tell, tell me tell me what I need to know. Yeah. I, I You know, I'm I'm hopeful that, especially because this is a movie that is features a very prominent and uh, well-developed uh, female character as its main, if not, you know, one of its main leads, if not main lead. I think that's that's pretty great, and I think it's good. You mentioned the gender divide before, and I think that was, you know, there's probably an element of that. I'm certainly, I think they're deliberately aiming with both Daisy Ridley and John Boyega to try and expand the diversity and inclusion of the cast, yeah. and I think that's huge. We saw that a little bit of that in Rogue One, too. It was a little short on female characters, but it had, I mean, there's, there's barely like a main white guy to see in that film who's not like a bad guy, right? Like all the all the hero characters in that one are are actors of color, which is fantastic. And I think they're trying to, you know, deliberately expand that as they go forward because they, you know, I think they very sincerely believe that Star Wars is for everyone and everybody should be able to see themselves in it. You know, I, I was thinking as we were nearing the end about my kids also like where would I start my kids if Anya asked if she wanted to see them? Sorry, I was thinking about my kids towards the end. Like, what would I do if one of them stabbed me with yes. a lightsaber? <laughs> no, but, um, but, yeah, and that's like that's where you can see that like, he's the wrong kind of evil. Not that you cheer on Darth Vader's evilness, but like, he's... Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but uh, because I was enjoying this one so much, I was like, what if I made this the first one that Anya saw, the 10-year-old? And in many ways, it could work. Yeah. And in many ways, she like she would have no nostalgia for Chewbacca right. or Han Solo. Right. The Luke reveal means nothing. Um, the other the, than they set up the as the guy scene, that everybody's looking for. Yeah. Right. The race scene means even is more confusing to her than it was to me. And it's yeah. like, so there are challenges. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, there's there is a. I think the most interesting question is that nobody really has any idea right now of what the Last Jedi is about because in this one, you know, like I said, it mimics the at least the shape of the first star wars movie but i think empire is a much more difficult movie because it's it's the middle and it doesn't have necessarily like a a story or plot that like you know it follows along after star wars to a certain extent and this one even though it's similar to star wars leaves you in a different place so yeah i don't think anybody really knows what the last jedi about which is kind of a fun fun place to be yeah well so as i said i think at the start of this episode I'm glad that we took the time to do this, you know, because I am, uh, I, I had somebody who asked me on Twitter, like the question was written, like as somebody who, you know, intentionally made a part of their personality that you never watched the Star Wars movies, how do you feel now that you've seen them? 
Uh, and I was like, no, that's that's not me at all. Like I just I hadn't seen them, but I and I know that it was funny to or amazing to people that I hadn't seen them. But it was never like a choice of I would never see these. It's not like when I was in fifth grade and I was so upset that everybody thought The Simpsons was really awesome that I deliberately was like I I'm going to hate The Simpsons just because it's super popular. When it took me several years to realize that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> the um but when i went back to like no that's not who i am and i was like no no you misunderstood. i miswrote my question i meant that i'm that guy should i watch them <laughs> i was like yeah why not um but you know, i'm glad to have watched them i didn't love them all and i that's went in expecting i probably wouldn't love them all and that's totally fine I, you mostly but, like the right ones which is great yeah and and even the one that you think that you, I, I break your heart with like i didn't hate it it was just my least favorite of the original trilogy <laughs> but i like they're good I will say I remain, uh, apologies by the way for listeners who can hear my dog, but I can't hear anything about it. Um, I, I would say that I remain surprised. And I think we talked about it when we watched A New Hope that people loved it so much when they, you know, that original trilogy that, that it worked so much for so many people because it feels like, and we talked about it at the time, it feels like a B movie, right? It feels mm-hmm. campy and even though it's very expensive to make, like it just, it feels it feels like a low budget well, uh, film in some ways. And, it, and some of the storytelling feels ham fisted and all those things. Sure. It's hard. Yeah. I think it's hard to view it properly. You're at least you get the cultural context from 40 years later too, right? Where like everything has turned into spectacle and we've spent all these years. It's kind of like going back and looking at a computer from 1977 and being like, I don't get it. What's the big deal? This thing can barely do anything. There's no internet. Like I can't do anything with this. Right. Like, but the right. context of it is so different for the time that it was in. And, I think there is both something timeless about the story in terms of the hero's journey and the fight of good and evil, et cetera, and all of that, that that resonated. And at the time, those effects and those, you know, that kind of spectacle was not something you were really seeing. And so, yeah, from 40 years later, it it can seem a little bit like, what's the big deal? But I think, you know, in the context of the time, it was a big deal. But... You know, although I can't necessarily understand <laughs> why people loved it so much back then, like, they're good. I get it. And, and I think it, even or as true as what you said about the, you know, them working better in their original time, uh, some of the story elements and the storytelling styles became so, became tropes, mm-hmm. but this was mm-hmm. part of the trope right, setting. Sure. And so I, I, I think that doesn't help me as a, a latecomer <laughs> to them, but I mean, I'm I'm glad to have watched them, and it's tricky because I knowing that I I liked the the newer ones a lot makes me worry. Like, well, is it just is it just that? Like, am I just too blind to be able to appreciate these movies on their own merits and thinking of them in their own eras? But because I also, I mean, because I enjoyed uh, a New Hope and Return of the Jedi, and I, I I don't know if I can rank them all um, perfectly, but. Uh, so I, anyway, I'm letting myself off the hook because I, 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 while I did like the two new ones, I also liked the most of the original trilogy to a decent amount. And so I don't know, they were good. The, I, my take on the overall story is, uh, it's interesting. It's a little bit soap opera ish. Sure. Uh, and I like that the good guys typically win, but man, these bad guys just keep coming back again and again. And I think. I don't know. I understanding that Disney wants to just keep churning these out and do like the kind of side pieces and then continuing narratives and stuff. Like I'm sure people continue to like and or love them. 
at some point you got to get you got to get a little bit tired sure, of this right let's defeat the bad guys storyline over and over and the only way you can change it up is to let the bad guys win every once in a while and like that's not funny either. it's yeah, not the yeah, escapism people are crazy i think that's a tricky proposition for them um i'm kind of curious to see nobody really knows what the plans are beyond seven eight nine and then those like um rogue one the han solo um movie that's coming out and i don't think we still know what the next like the third anthology movie is but like it's possible they could be like after nine they could just be like we're taking a break <laughs> like right. we'll we'll continue doing like standalone star wars movies that tell different stories so it doesn't have to be the same kind of story every time but we're gonna let like the main thread sit for a while and then come <laughs> back and do something else what they couldn't do but i would i think so many people would enjoy if they had the uh legal standing and confidence to do it is uh totally new scripted new prequels <laughs> like yeah. let's yeah. try darth vader's origin story oh, one more time i i it's there was a point in my life where i really wanted to basically write like a radio drama uh that was the my version of like this is how i always imagine the prequels going based on what we know from the original trilogy and i was like i would get the crap suit out of me so i can't do that but if something yeah. such thing ever shows up on the internet <laughs> just fyi I'm still thinking about that. I still think about that some days. <laughs> you should. You should. Well, Dan, thank you so much. There's nobody I would rather watch the entire Star Wars canon with than you. I am delighted to have joined you and, and so happy that you are now all cut up. And I feel like, you know, I feel like this experience has brought us closer. I agree. And I didn't think that was possible. <laughs> I thought we were too damn close. Next week, Fast and Furious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this is the end of season three um we haven't decided what to do past and this. we welcome your suggestions yeah, dear please, listeners. uh hit us up on twitter at um at not playing cast or we probably have an email address somewhere but i really have no idea where it is so just send one to yeah. the general incomparable email and we'll, we'll get it yeah if you tell jason snell he'll tell us yeah yeah or you know hit us up on twitter d morn and lex fry so yeah i uh, we i'm i'm delighted that we came back and put this whole season together i hope that we will have another season at some point and yeah as i said there's the possibility that we'll do uh maybe uh one or two individual episodes at some point over the next few months so Listen, if we can score an invite to uh skywalker ranch we can watch when they <laughs> record it right there if we uh do we know anybody if we know anybody hook us up yeah well dan thanks so much <laughs> keep watching the stars <laughs> everybody out there keep your eyes on the stars Holy crap. <laughs> That's what made you cry, right? That's what made you cry. Sure. I'm crying a little now, too. <laughs> Dan, I love you so much. <laughs>